0: You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Rachel Ryder talking about parenting patterns. Do you have patterns in the way you interact with your teenager that you wish you could change. Maybe you find yourself consistently having to remind them of things, consistently getting frustrated about things that they're doing, consistently feeling underappreciated by them or ignored by them or manipulated by them like they're lying to you or hiding things from you. Maybe you just consistently feel like you're shut out or you're not connected. It could be a feeling that you're not doing enough or that you want to be doing more. But whatever the pattern is in your particular family or your particular dynamic with your teenager, there is a way to change it. And it starts by identifying what's going on underneath the pattern. Before you can interact in a different way, you have to understand what's driving the pattern as it exists today. We are going to talk through on this episode exactly how you can do that. Rachel is an executive coach and the creator of the MetaWorks method at her elite agency, which brings together radical ease, spaciousness, and transformation to help leaders achieve new heights in their career and in their relationships. She is also the author of Who You Are Is How You Lead, and she's here with us today to share exactly how parents can apply her transformational process to their families. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: So I'm here to talk about how to self-regulate as a parent, and I just wanted to make sure that that feels aligned.
0: Ooh. Okay. Oh, I like that. Yes. And sort of that we need to first recognize that because, well, I think a lot of the time, and that's what I thought would be really interesting to talk about a lot in this book, because so much of the time, you know, I get emails from parents and messages on social media asking questions. And it's always phrased in terms of, hey, you know, my child is doing XYZ. I have a 13-year-old. And, you know, he just like he doesn't want to engage with the family. He's just goes to his room after school and doesn't talk to us. Maybe he'll come down and watch a Marvel movie, but then he's right back to his room. And, you know, how do I just get him to spend some time with us or do show a little more like appreciation or be involved in the family? And so I think so often as parents, we're in the mindset of like looking at our children and noticing the patterns that that we're getting from them and saying, Hey, how can I change this? But what also is really, I think, kind of taking that to the next level or or widening our awareness is being able to look at so what is my pattern? So what am I doing repeatedly in those situations? What am I feeling? What kind of behaviors am I repeating that because all it takes two to tango (laughs) with that? It's not a one person pattern. This is a sort of more of a collective thing. So that's interesting.
1: I feel like you actually nailed the premise of my work, which is as leaders, especially when you are running your organization, which is what you are doing as a parent. (laughs) Exactly. Your success doesn't have to do with getting the deliverable done. There are folks around you. You have kids, you know, they're helping with the chores. The household is running. Your success is based on your interpersonal relationships. And with that being said, in order to have successful interpersonal relationships, you have to start with a successful interpersonal relationship with yourself. And so that is really the premise of my work. And my expertise is really understanding your inner world, really being able to self-regulate your nervous system so you're in charge instead of old habits, instead of emotions, really running the show. So I feel like you just nailed that when parents are able to start to understand what activates me, about my kid going down the stairs and coming up and not saying hello, like what is stirring inside of me, you actually might even change the dynamic because you're disrupting how you're responding.
0: So is that what you mean in the book, you talk about drivers, that's almost more even before you start looking at sort of individual situations and what's triggering you, there's almost more of a foundational step of kind of understanding on a deeper level what's kind of driving you.
1: I thank you for taking us back a step. I think, yeah, that's so important to help inform behaviors. First, I think it's really important to understand why you're here. What kind of parent do you want to be? You know, I talk about that in leadership. Like, why are you doing this? And some folks didn't have a choice, but they're showing up anyway. You know, some folks did and did it intentionally. Some folks worked years to be a parent. Whatever the circumstances is, it's really helpful to identify what kind of parent do I want to be? And not just negation of who I don't want to be. I I understand, you know, I hear that a lot even in leadership, but as parents as well. I don't want to be my mother. I don't want to be my father. Never. Okay, great. So glad we established that. So let's talk about what you do want to be. What is your anchor that? When your child is not talking to you because they're in their own world, they've pulled out, what kind of parent in that moment, if you come back to the who you want to be, that will then help you know what to do next. So it's a very important premise before you can even regulate the nervous system and come back to, okay, who is it I want to be? How do I want to show up?
0: And what does that look like? Or what is the answer to that question even? Is It really different depending on who the person is? or how, you know, I guess, what are some examples of drivers?
1: I'm curious if you're comfortable with me asking you. Oh, yeah. You know, what What would you say makes you show up? And it doesn't necessarily need to be about parenthood, but your podcast, you know, what was, what makes you do this? What's important to you about this?
0: Well, it's interesting, actually, I was just having this conversation earlier. I, so this, I have this business and I also have our ghostwriting company. We write books for like thought leaders and, a lot of entrepreneurs and things like that. And so when this conversation that we were having was like, Andy, why did you kind of trying to really refine our mission statement a little bit more? And so it's like, Andy, why did you start this company? And I feel like it really parallels because really, in in my own life, I guess, I really kind of struggled as a teenager and feeling like having, you know, a hard time making friendships or fitting in or really kind of like finding my place and connecting with people deep and really then reading a lot of self help books and getting into like, you know, listening to lectures by motivational speakers and people sharing life philosophies was really like a turning point for me to sort of start to applying ideas to my life that would Mm -hmm. help me to start getting better results in all areas of my life, really, but professionally and on a personal level and it's been it's a long journey. To still, I read uh, you know tons of books. I have this whole business where I help people write books. I do this podcast where I'm reading books every week and talking to people. And so, I think selfishly, a lot of part of the journey is that I love that by doing this, I get to read books every week and ask people questions about yes. how to live more deeply and better. And and so, through doing that, I also love that like helping and empowering other people to have that same journey or hopefully get some of those same benefits themselves.
1: I love the nugget you just shared. Thank you so much. When you said selfishly, this allows me to read books. This allows me to continue to pursue that question I have for myself. And in doing so, I get to help others. That nugget is so profoundly important because what I heard there is if you got to do that less, this would be less fun. The selfish piece is really vital to helping you know what your mission is, to helping you know how to grow your business. I want to read more books. I want to get to keep learning about myself and help others. You know, that I would imagine becomes a very foundational pillar for you in decision making in the business you're growing. The same can be true for a parent. And so I want to be really clear that we want it to be the most selfish thing. I want to feel loved. I want to feel loved by my child, or I, you know, I want to prove that I will never be my dad. Those are really value and actually powerfully important anchors, drivers to knowing what you're doing here, because that's going to be the most compelling thing that's going to bring you back to then inform your behavior. Does that answer your question about drivers?
0: I love that. Yes. And so then that makes me wonder is then starting to notice some of those patterns we were talking about earlier or times when things are triggering to us. Is that because there's kind of a conflict happening with one of those drivers or is it's a situation that's pulling us a little bit away from what we feel like is our most authentic way of showing up as a parent?
1: Such a beautiful connection, yes. Often when we have friction in our lives, externally, it's because there's a conflict with our internal driver. And so then the journey becomes getting curious about that conflict. Is it deeply in conflict with what's most valuable to me? Or is the conflict because it feels threatened? And that is an old threat, not a current threat. So like for a parent, so we're were using the example, Folks reach out to you and they're like, My teenager comes down the stairs, really says hi, grabs a snack, goes back up, maybe comes down for a movie. And the parent who really had children to feel a deep connection of love, of course, feels terrified. Does my child love me? Is my child feeling alone? Because I feel alone. Like it stirs up the deepest reason for us doing what we're doing. And so, What I would say is the stirring becomes the opening. That's the beginning of the conversation, not the end. That's where we start to dig into the curiosity. What's actually going on here for me?
0: You talk about awareness in the book and also kind of awareness of of how those things feel in your body.
1: Yeah. You know, though I've been trained in somatic experiencing, which is just one of the most powerful tools I've ever founded by Peter Levine. And his premise, he was a psychologist and doctor and found that there are certain things that you can talk about and talk about that won't change. Talk therapy can be powerful. I was in it for quite a long time. My mother's the talk therapist. She's also an SE practitioner now, but it changes lives. And there are certain things that are stuck in our system our nervous system, we have visceral reactions to that even if our brain knows, well, maybe this isn't outrageous right now, our body's like, this is outrageous. And so the cultivating awareness piece is so important because our body is talking to us. Our body carries wisdom. And again, I think what I was mentioning earlier, we want to be able to hear that information and then decide if it's true. That's the cultivating awareness piece. The self-regulation piece is then, okay, if this isn't true, how do I help my body? know there isn't a tiger in the room. That's just my cat being annoying kind of things. So what I love about this is in connection to, say, we know our driver. So your driver is getting to read books in your business and say that, you're noticing you're having to deal with a lot of administration because that's what happens when a business grows and you're being pulled from the things you love. And all of a sudden, your jaw is tight. You're not sleeping well. And so your body's giving you some information about, this isn't working for me. But then we got to get curious. Okay, what exactly isn't working for you about it? So one, okay, an and internal driver is feeling threatened. But there might be a belief system here that is also making it harder for you to do the administration. Like it's never going to get better. I shouldn't be growing my business because I'm get, moving away from the things I love, which may not be so true. And that's where we get to be really curious. That's where what I love about this work is it's really an excavation of our inner world, where we're the final is the decision at the end of the line. Once we have all of the information about what's going on for us.
0: No, this is awesome. So I'm. Now, trying to reverse engineer that as a parent, because if I'm thinking, "Hey, so like you were saying, connection and kind of feeling like it connected as a family is maybe my driver," and so when my kid is kind of checking out and not engaging with the family, that's causing me to feel this friction. Then, what does that look like in terms of the? I guess yeah, you talk about pattern identification in here and looking for those statements that are like, I just have to. So what might some of those things be? Or, I guess, yeah, if we're thinking my kid just has to engage more with the family.
1: Right, exactly. Let's explore this for a second. So first of all, and I want to normalize, our kids are behaving differently than we want them to be. And in the moments where that's the case, there are always moments where you know, something needs to be addressed. Yes. What we're talking about here is if you're noticing a pattern of you always respond this way where the kid comes down and it's like, really, again, you're not going to talk to me. And sometimes you just see yourself saying it before we even realize it. It's like a train wreck that you can't change. And you're noticing that pattern. That's where it's really important to get curious. Or you're noticing your thought pattern of I just need to get him down to the table with us. That's going to make this right. There's an indicator of, here's an opportunity to let's explore what's going on for you as the parent. What are you worried about? What is feeling threatened for you? Okay, my kid doesn't love me, or this isn't normal behavior. There's opportunities to check out what normal behavior in adolescence is, you know, or I'm going to lose him forever. When we start to understand these belief systems, we can then question them. How true is that? What am I really looking for here? And that will allow, you know, a change in behavior. So when he comes down next, you could be like, oh, were you planning on watching a movie later tonight? I thought maybe I could sit with you and do some work while you watch it. There's that it shifts this dynamic and actually allows you to see clearer about where there is an opportunity to connect. If you really just want to be in the room, how can you create space for that? Once you've disrupted the, oh my God, it's not okay. This is going to be like this forever. Then there's room for you to actually have so many different other options to engage with your child.
0: I also always love to think about those statements that we're telling ourselves like, oh, if only this person would just do this or if I could just do this better. That like imagining projecting into this perfect world where what if they just somehow just miraculously actually started doing that or you started being able to do this would that just magically make you a hundred percent happy and everything in your life would be totally great and you and we tell ourselves this narrative as if like oh this just this one thing if this if I could just get this figured out or this person would just stop you know showing up this way but it's not really about that it's like if that thing changed we would just find something else to start obsessing about
1: Exactly. You know, actually my bread and butter are kind of the niche that we work with Are folks who basically have had it all. They've accomplished at the height of their careers. They're highly successful. They're very well respected. And so they were living in this if I just, and they got to the top and they looked around they're like, wait a second, this is it? Like, why am I not enjoying this more? What, you know? And so it's such a be- I love that line that you're saying because I think there's an opportunity as a parent to really explore that too. When there's the if I just, it's like, yeah, what if I just, then I still have these five things. I still have my own inner world. I still have the human experience. And so to get to let that unravel, gives you an opportunity to explore what's really going on in the moment.
0: And as we get more awareness and get more clarity on what's really going on and start to notice those patterns, then you talk about how we can begin to disrupt them.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I this is one of the premise in Essie that I think is one of the most powerful. The disruption of a pattern is not the doing of a new one. You know, there's so much discussion about replace a bad habit with a new habit. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with that. And... I think the only way that really changes is if before you try to replace the bad habit, you try to stop the bad habit and see the feelings and thoughts that arise.
0: Ooh, yeah.
1: It's intense. You know, an example I give in my book is my husband is a cook in the family. And thank God, one of the reasons why I married him, he's a wonderful cook. And a very long time, I would walk into the kitchen and start to tell him how to chop the vegetables differently. And it's like, I say this, I'm slightly embarrassed as I say this out loud, but it's very true. And so it became such a habit that my husband, he would see me walk into the kitchen and he'd say, you're doing it wrong. To really say what I was about to say to him. And first of all, that was such a beautiful, loving way to highlight a pattern that I was creating. Thank you. My husband, and so after a while, when he kept bringing this to my attention, I was saying, you know, I really don't want that to be the dynamic of me walking into the kitchen while he's making a beautiful meal. And so I thought, okay, I've done the MetaWorks method on myself so many times I can't count. And so I was like, okay, it's time to try to just zip it, walk into the kitchen, keep your mouth shut, pattern disruption. Oh, first of all, it was viscerally painful. Like, actually, I, it hurt, it hurt my chest. And I started getting this anxiety. And I was noticing, can you hear me okay? I was starting to get this anxiety. And I was noticing the thoughts coming up, which were, oh, my God, he's doing this incredible thing. What am I doing? I'm just standing here. What is he going to think? He's probably keeping score. I don't do the, I never cook. And what am I doing for the family? And how am I? And it was like, the. Pandora's box of vulnerably receiving. That is when I'm talking about pattern disruption, because what that revealed to me is it wasn't about my husband cutting vegetables. It was about my terror of receiving without being criticized. Oh, I always do this for you. You never do blah, blah, blah. And that being an old pattern for me. And so what pattern disruption does is it so beautifully undermines our belief system and what's true and shows what we're trying to hide from. And as a parent with a team that can be so profoundly important and powerful because it's it can be very terrifying to see our just delicious children turn into these individual human beings who are trying to figure it out and are a little crazy. And so, of course, our own stuff comes up. And so being able to disrupt our own thinking allows us to see, okay, where is this my stuff? And where is this the team stuff? Is he just chopping vegetables differently? Or is he using the knife in another way that I should be concerned about? But first, we got to get clear on, okay, maybe this isn't about what he's doing.
0: That's so cool. Because I think that's such a dynamic that parents And teenagers fall into so often is reminding them, hey, do this, you forgot to do this. What about this? And the teenager kind of like, oh, I know, like, I'll get to it. Don't worry about it. Leave me alone. And kind of just really, it's so easy to fall into that. And it gets reinforced that then how do you sort of, you know, reset that in a different way. I love this idea of just noticing what those patterns are in your family or in the way that you communicate and really trying consciously just forcing yourself to not do it next time and then focus on noticing what's springing up and how that's making you feel.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing I would say. This is What this does is it really highlights that maybe it's not an emergency. Like maybe it's not an emergency that your teen hasn't done X, Y, and Z. For you to be able to see that, then you can see when it is an emergency. And your teen might be more amenable to hearing that if you've disrupted that emergency energy for clearing the table or hanging up the jacket or whatever it is that then it really shifts the dynamic between you two. And that's where doing the inner work yourself as a parent can be so powerful.
0: We're here today with Rachel Ryder talking about problematic parenting patterns and how we can change them. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show.
1: Throw your survival mechanism a party. I'm serious. Mm. So no one is going to chill if they don't feel appreciated. And that survival mechanism of yours, man, they have been taking such good care of you. Yeah, maybe they get in the way, particularly when you're an adult. But ooh, they got you to where you are now. Like... Let's throw them a party, And I mean it. I want, there's very powerful data around mirror neurons in your nervous system. And so visualizations can be incredibly powerful. And so I want you to give that nervous system survival mechanism an avatar. I'll tell you a few of mine. My anger and resentment is a bright green jack dragon. My self-loathing is this like little squishy gray sloth-like creature the size of a toothpick. I would, I just love what you're mapping out here because this is what drives home the point that it's about our inner world. This is what helps me every day tell clients, we don't have to be so precious about it. Not because someone doesn't care and you do, but because there's so many different kinds of caring. That means there's no right way. And the trigger you're having right now has a lot to do with you and your upbringing and your survival mechanism more than what's going on in the room. And that, to me, is so powerful because it disrupts this belief system of this is life or death. And it makes it more like, oh, okay, what am I contributing here? What's my role? You know, in Buddhism, they talk about how suffering highlights enlightenment. Like you cannot possibly become enlightened without suffering. First of all, you wouldn't know the
0: difference.
1: (laughs) And I share that because when we start to see the habits come back, that to me is, again, something to really be celebrated because it means you're noticing. For me to be able at the end of a day of Thanksgiving to be like, oh, my God, I was in it today. was huge because it meant I saw that wasn't helpful anymore. And it meant, oh, I get to try to do this differently. And so, you know, I like to talk about nurturing habits, it's not one and done. And it's actually a part of the work and a part of the journey, because you also get to experiment, okay, it didn't work that way for me, I need a little more of this. Or, you know, if I tried it differently, okay, that wasn't really, they didn't land very well. Okay, let's try it this way. And so the nurturing new habits is It's vital and like not beating yourself up. Oh, I thought I'd been here before. Yeah, you have. And now you get to try it differently since you noticed it. Um, And that's a really important piece to all of this.
0: Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.